When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of your opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and use the promo code NFL 100. Hello, everybody. Evan Lazar, Alex Barth, live Patriots Beat podcast here on Cut Down Day. And Alex, in a seismic wave, a gigantic move, a monumental day for the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, deciding to not just name Mac Jones his starting quarterback, but cut veteran Cam Newton from the team. So Cam Newton, no longer a New England Patriot. It's the Mac Jones QB1 show. And my first reaction to all of this, Alex, is that everything that we have seen out of Cam Newton this summer, none of this made sense, right? Like none of this added up to Cam getting outright released from the team. He had improved. Yeah. He had done all the right things up until the COVID uh, situation, I suppose. And maybe that was yeah. something that could be a final nail in the coffin, right? Yeah. But done everything else right in terms of first guy and last guy out, narratives in terms of how he was in the locker room and how his teammates gravitated towards him and all these kind of things. And he comes in this summer and he looks better, right? He did improve. Now I mentioned the other day that he improved on the margins. So it wasn't necessarily like he was a whole new quarterback this summer, but he did improve. And none of the things, the improvements, the solid locker room presence, I did not see them outright releasing him coming. Did I see Mac Jones starting for the Patriots sooner rather than later? Yes. We've talked about that on the show a gazillion times. But I definitely did not see Cam Newton getting outright released and Mac Jones being QB1 for week one with Cam Newton not on the roster. Yeah, and it, it, it kind of sticks to a, a larger point because, again, I was one of these people who was convinced, even though Mac Jones had a great summer, that Cam Newton would be the starter because historically this team does not play rookies outside of the line of scrimmage, offensive and defensive line. They do not play rookies, certainly not start them at certain right. positions. And I'm writing about this right now for, for 985thesportsup.com. It'll be up later today. This is this roster overall, and Mac Jones is kind of the poster boy for this. This initial roster demonstrates a new Bill Belichick. Because in the past, the Patriots have been very hesitant to play their young players, whether it's Nikhil Harry, 
whether it's Juwan Williams, whether it's Chase Winovich, whether it's Anthony Jennings, uh, you know, whether it's, I think I said Damian Harris. I don't remember if I did. Whether it's even Jared Stidham last year, who was a second-year player, but still, there's been such a hesitance to put younger guys on the field and instead kind of defer to veterans because they have that experience. Now you have Mac Jones, who's going to start. You have Quinn Nordine, who it looks like is going to start as a rookie. Ramondre Stevenson, Christian Barmore, Sean Wade, all rookies who won't start but are going to play key backup roles. They're going to be on the field. We're going to see them in key situations. Maybe not all the time, but we will. This is, in a lot of senses, a new era in Patriots football. I said this when we did the live reaction earlier, Evan, which people can find on the CLNS YouTube page, which you should subscribe to if you're not already subscribed. This is the biggest day, the single day the Patriots have had in 523 days. 523 days ago, March 17, 2020, Tom Brady announces he's leaving the Patriots. This is the most seismic day they've had since then. And probably those are the two most seismic days they've had in six or seven years, probably going back to 28 to three. So this is, this is a big day. This is a shift in organizational culture and Mac Jones is at the center of that. And that's huge because this kid came in and straight up one. And, and look, I think Cam Newton had something to do with this independent of the summer Mac Jones had. But Mac Jones came in and really gave this team no choice but to break their protocol and start a rookie. And and Ramondre Stevenson did the same thing, and Christian Barmore did the same thing. Nordine and Wade are slightly different situations. But those three guys, who are three of the Patriots' four top picks, right? Because I think Perkins went before Stevenson. Yes. And that's not to say Ronnie Perkins was bad, but it's just it's a different situation. Right. Mac Jones, Ramondre Stevenson, Christian Barmore came in and said, we're inexperienced, but it doesn't matter. We're that damn good. You got to put us on the field. And the coaching staff has responded in turn. Right. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for me as well is in terms of the coaching staff actually watching what developed on the field and opting to go with Mac Jones over Cam Newton, because we have talked about this since minicamp on this podcast. And we have said that Mac Jones has looked like the better quarterback, the better fit in Josh McDaniels' system, just the type of passer that they want at that position. We have said multiple times that Mac Jones was the better QB for what the Patriots want to run than Cam Newton. And my hesitation was based off of how Bill Belichick treated Cam Newton last year. And then based off the fact that Bill Belichick brought Cam Newton back this year and re-signed him to another contract, it felt like Bill Belichick had dug himself in with Cam a little bit. And he was going to be hesitant to go to a rookie quarterback until at least at halfway through this season or maybe even 2022, right? And that ended up not being the case. And the old Patriots philosophy is that we do what's best for the football team. We do everything by who plays the best, right? Who's the best at practice is the guy that ends up playing on Sundays. That's always the mantra down in Foxborough. The best players play, regardless of resume, regardless of star status, uh, any of those things. And that's the decision that they made out there today. I'm, I'm, Shocked. I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. I was wrong. 
I I thought that Cam Newton was going to be the star to start the season. I thought they were going to explain it away by the fact that there were things that Mac Jones still does need to improve on and still does need to work on. And they feel comfortable with rolling with Mac. And I think that that's great because like I just said, the best player won the job. And it felt like for a little bit there that Bill Belichick wasn't always going down that path with Cam Newton, that Cam Newton didn't necessarily need to be the best player to win the starting job this summer. And now we see that he did because he's no longer here. And the other element that I wanted to bring up. Well, well, let me, let me say this real quick before we jump over to Cam, uh, because I assume that's what you're leading to. Um, I, because I, I was the one, and I see it in the chat. I'll own up to it. I said starting a rookie week one, it's risky, it's dangerous. We both did. We both did. We right. were wrong about this. Here, here's what I'll say about this: that I, I'm not changing that opinion. It's still inherently a risk. But what happened is over the last two weeks, we learned that there were inherent risks with starting Cam Newton as well. Right. And I, I don't know which risk was greater. I actually think the risk of starting Mac is greater, but. There were there were serious risks with keeping Cam Newton as your starting quarterback, and I think those risks outweighed the risks that come along with Mac Jones. I think in some ways it was a lose lose situation. I still think the Patriots will be in capable hands under Mac Jones, but you're walking kind of a, a tighter rope now with him. That's what I'll say. But there were inherent risks with starting Cam Newton as well that we didn't know before. We knew those risks now, and I think the Patriots weren't ready to take those risks. And I think that's what you were leading into here. Yeah, I think that was a little bit of it as well. And what I wanted to talk about is ultimately what led to Cam Newton's release. So obviously the COVID situation, the COVID diagnosis, or not diagnosis, but the unvaccinated status for Cam Newton, that's what I'm looking for. That definitely played a role here in this situation. I don't think it was the only, I don't think it was the key factor. I don't think it was the number one factor, but it certainly played a role. And what I think is bigger in my opinion as to why cam newton is not here is cam newton is a personality cam newton is a star cam newton is a former nfl mvp and heisman trophy winner and the second that mac jones plays poorly in a game the second that mac jones throws multiple interceptions in a game the second that anything goes wrong you are going to start hearing it internally and externally about Cam Newton sitting there on the bench, right? And did they go to Mac Jones too soon? Did they rush Mac Jones onto the field? Does Cam give them a better chance to win? This is what all of us would be talking about. If Cam was still here and Mac started out the season poorly, I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying if he did, that is what we would all hear. And that is why in my opinion, more so than the fact that he's unvaccinated. Cam Newton is no longer here because Cam Newton is too much of a presence to be a backup quarterback. He's too much of a star to be a backup. So here's what I'll say to that. It's been reported today that Cam's vaccination status was at least a part of the reason he got it. It was at least a part of it. Multiple reports. The Athletic had it. I think Mike Giardi had it. Multiple people put that out there. There's also, if you remember, you know, and, and uh, what is it, Mike Kalick, who is our intern? Yes. Kalick, whatever his yes. name is. Mike, I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name here. Mike made a really good point this morning on Twitter. I saw it before any of this happened. Bill Belichick, we were asking Bill, who's the starter? Who's the starter? Who's the starter? It was Cam Newton. From the time he was asked on April 28th until about two weeks ago, it was Cam Newton. And then all of a sudden it changed to, we'll do what's best for the team. Now I kind of figured 
that his answer changed because the way the question was being asked changed. The right. question went from who is your starter and Bill Belichick's answering that in the moment on April 29th, Mac Jones is our starter to it being asked in, in, in future tense. Nice play there, Evan. Oh, um, I pulled it up too early. Okay. okay. So it, it, it went to that question being asked in future tense um, who will be the starter week one. And that's where Bill's not nailing it down definitively. But if you line it up in, in another way, that tone changed when Cam Newton missed time. That tone changed when Cam Newton missed crucial practices because he was unvaccinated. And I look at it and I think, okay, well, they couldn't trust him as the starting quarterback. I think his vaccination status is the reason he's not the starting quarterback. So why not keep him as the backup? Then I think that goes into what you said about, well, can you really keep Cam Newton as a backup quarterback? It seems like he's okay being a backup just based on some of the reports out there that Dallas is looking at to potentially signing him. Some people mentioned the bears. Some people mentioned the Houston Texans. So he may be okay being a backup. It doesn't seem like the Patriots were okay with that. So that goes to what you mentioned, but why is Cam Newton not the starting quarterback vaccination status? Why is he not the backup quarterback? What you said, the locker room. So I, I disagree. I, I think Cam Newton's not the starting quarterback because Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Cam Newton. Well, okay. So I think that's part of it. I think w- w- when I say, why isn't he the starting quarterback? And, and it's because of the vaccination status. I say the vaccination status was the final, like Mac and Cam, Mac was better, but it, it was hardly a blowout. Cam looked better this summer. Yeah. It wasn't a blowout, but no. that vaccination status is, was, that was the final push. That was the final yes. nail in the coffin. That was the, 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 the straw of hay that broke the camel's back. So it's not like Cam, if Cam had balled out and wasn't vaccinated, right? If Cam's coming out, throwing a touch, like 20 for 20, every practice with 20 touchdowns. If he'd done that, the vaccination status wouldn't matter. It was close enough. It was close enough that the vac- vaccination status is what tipped the scale to Mac Jones for the starting job. And then what you said, I just don't think the Patriots wanted to keep him as the backup. And there he goes. He's out the door. So the, the last thing I want to say about this, and then I am going to pull up the play, but I pulled it up too early yep. and that's my bad. Uh, the last thing I wanted to say about this was in terms of the vaccination, what it did to me ultimately I'm not sure that it really had a factor in terms of we don't know week to week if Cam Newton is going to be available. But to me, what it did was it opened the door last week during the last week of training camp and joint practices with the New York Giants for Mac Jones to dominate the starter reps right. and get the longest look that we possibly have. Got let him close that gap. Right. So we came on the podcast after the first day of joint practices on August 25th, Wednesday of last week. And we said, if there's going to be a day that we're going to discuss was the turning point in this competition, it was Wednesday, August 25th, when Mac Jones went something like 22 of 26 in joint practices and 11 on 11s against the Giants starting defense, right? That was, that was the day that Mac Jones officially announced himself as a presence on this team. And he ultimately beat out Cam Newton for this job. He won this job. Did Cam's vaccination status open the door? Absolutely. But Mac Jones knocked that door down with a sledgehammer, right? I mean, he really did that. So to me, I don't think that the vaccination status was a driving force. I think ultimately that was the, um, the driving force was that Mac Jones outplayed Cam Newton. And it was, and also that Mac Jones looks better 
in the offense than Cam Newton, right? He has a better grasp of it. He has better accuracy to all three levels, better decision maker, quicker processor, all the things the Patriots want. Pre-snap read, setting the table, all these things that Josh McDaniels talks about all the time. What does Josh McDaniels talk about all the time? Pre-snap, right? Setting the table, accuracy, anticipation, and timing, right? Those are the four things that they harp on at that position constantly. And that is ultimately what Mac Jones brings to the table and does it better than Cam. Yeah, so... So so just to get, like, obviously none of this happens if Mac Jones doesn't have a fantastic summer, and he did. He was awesome. Looked apart, everything. But I think that, you know... Mac again, Mac Jones is going to take over sooner rather than later. Why week one and why did it happen without Cam Newton on the roster? There's other factors besides Mac Jones play that led to it happening the way it did. Right. And I do think the vaccination does maybe play a little bit of a role, but ultimately I, I, I still think the former NFL MVP Heisman trophy winner, Cam Newton aura was the bigger problem here because I, I think that Bill Belichick, external factors i don't think he has much of a care in the world for that right but internally what he didn't want was their locker room to be divided right for them to get to week four week five week six and mac jones is the quarterback and he's struggling and for everybody else to look around and say what what about you know what about camp right why aren't we playing camp right and and that's how you create those internal divides and i i think that that's ultimately what was the reason why Cam Newton is no longer here. All right, last thing here about just the roster movement that I want to pull up to play, then we can move on to some of the other moves. Brian Hoyer was also released by the Patriots. So the Patriots on the initial 53-man roster, I'm going to say it's official. Uh, On the initial 53-man roster are only going technically with one quarterback. So so I can tweet that? I can put that out there? I'll credit you. If you want to. So I will do that. Mac Jones is the only quarterback on the 53 right now for the Patriots, which is not, I, I don't think that's going to last. I do think Brian Hoyer is going to be back. Right. So right now I think this is multi, mo, mostly procedural, but the question that I have to pose to the, the group here is, is that it? Is it just Mac Jones and Brian Hoyer or are the Patriots going to be in the market for a third, a third quarterback? Are they going to be in a, the market for a better backup quarterback than Brian Hoyer? Right. I mean, what's the situation there? Are there, are they going to bring in another arm? Cause Jared Sidham, we assume is going on reserve PUP along with Stefan Gilmore, which we're going to get to in a second as well. And so that most likely means that Jared Sidham can be back at some point this year. So they could ride with Brian Hoyer and Mac Jones as the only two quarterbacks. Again, assuming they bring Hoyer back, who was released initially, they could ride with Mac Jones and Brian Hoyer until midway through the season and then bring Jared Sidham back. By the way, Carl Davis just tweeted a smiley face indicating he's probably on the roster and your boy Yelda got cut by Houston. Um, Yeah, I, I, I think... I couldn't have Yelda and Yadney make the roster all in the same, you know... Yeah, I ulti- yeah, I ultimately think Brian Hoyer's back one way or the other. Maybe they get him on the practice squad if he agrees to that. Um I I do think they look for a third quarterback. I just think in the age of COVID, having that third quarterback is important important. And I, I published a list today of some guys they can look at, 985thesportsub.com. If Brian Hoyer's the backup, you could bring back, you know, even Jake Dolgala, Brian Lewerke, right. put them on the practice squad. But you know, I, I look at a guy like Garrett Gilbert 
who has been around the league, has been a capable. I like Will Greer. You didn't even mention Will Greer. Well, so I was going to say, there's two different ways you can go. You can find another veteran in addition to Hoyer, who's going to be another pseudo coach for Mac Jones. And that could be a guy like Garrett Gilbert. That could be a guy like Josh Johnson. That could be a guy like Kyle Lawletta, who we know they liked in the draft a few years ago. The other direction they could go is, you know, if Jared Stidham, and, and maybe this is just until Jared Stidham comes back too. You could sign Garrett Gilbert or Brian Lorke or whoever, and then right. when Stidham's ready to go, you cut that guy, you bring back Stidham. But the other thing is, I don't know that Brian Hoyer is going to be the backup beyond this year. It, it really seems like Stidham's a lost cause at this point, if we're being honest. So the Patriots quarterback search continues, even beyond Mac Jones. They now have their starter, but they're going to need a backup here. So maybe you go out, you find one of these younger guys that got cut, and you see if that guy can become your backup, like your long-term three- to four-year backup. And if that's the case, Will Greer, who I really liked in the draft in 2019, third-round yeah. pick, was cut by Carolina today. I, I don't. Maybe he can be a, a, a starting NFL quarterback. I don't know that that's relevant in terms of the Patriots. I do think he struggled with coaching changes and system changes well, well with the Panthers. But I think he can be a serviceable backup. I think he could be, at the very least, a Chase Daniel type. And you're not going to hold on to him for 20 years like Chase Daniel. But I, you know, I, I think Will Greer, if they want to look at it and, and get this backup quarterback situation locked up so they don't have to address the quarterback situation at all next offseason, I think Will Greer is an interesting direction to go. So, you know, again, they, there's two ways here. You can go with the veteran, just another veteran, another voice for Mac Jones in the locker room, or you actually try to find your backup quarterback of the future, as nuts as that sounds. And I think Will Greer is a perfect candidate if that's the direction they want to go. Yeah, I'm actually slightly surprised that if they knew that Mac Jones was going to be the starting quarterback a couple of days ago, that they weren't, maybe they were in on Gardner Minshew, but that that is a player there that might have been a high-end backup of the future, right? A guy that they could have gotten. Another guy I would mention from Washington is Kyle Allen, who I knew that they tried to trade they for. They didn't cut him, but they could try to okay. trade for him in Washington. They're going to start Fitzpatrick. He, Kyle Allen isn't the quarterback of the future there, right? I mean, they, they're hurt. I don't know if he's hurt or not, but they tried to trade from him for him from Carolina at one right, point I remember as that. well. So maybe if somebody like that, I I think that there is going to be another shoe to drop at the quarterback position, though. That's that's ultimately what I'm what we're both kind of getting at here yeah. is it'd be pretty surprising if it's just Mac Jones and then assuming they bring back Brian Hoyer, just Mac Jones and Brian Hoyer. You would think that somebody, a third sorry, guy is coming in here. Yeah. Somebody brought up Josh Rosen in the comments. Uh, I, I love the idea. It sounds like he's sticking. It sounds like he's yeah. sticking in Atlanta. So if he gets yeah. cut, he's absolutely somebody. I think you look at another one again. I don't know how realistic this is, but if Miami were to acquire, acquire Deshaun Watson, maybe Jacoby Brissett becomes expendable. And I think he would be, I mean, he's probably above yeah. what you need for that role, but I like whatever the case, I'd love to see Jaco- Jacoby Brissett back in new England. I've said that since before they signed cam this spring, I wanted Jacoby back. So um, I think that, the, you know, he's somebody to maybe keep an eye on again. There's probably a series of events that has to happen for him to become available, but those are two more like there's guys on rosters too. And like you said, Kyle Allen, I do think that there's, you know, another, again, another quarterback, even if they bring back Hoyer, even when they bring back Hoyer, I think there's another quarterback shoot to drop on top of that. Yeah, uh, me as well. Okay, so I want to bring up this play. Yeah, because people love Jacoby Brissett. I love to see it. I, I, yeah, Jacoby Brissett would be nice. All right, I want to bring up this play because a lot of people have asked me this question 
of why was I hesitant to start Mac Jones in week one yesterday. We, we were, we were talking about this for a little while, right? That he looks the part. He looks great. We're looking forward to the future, all these kinds of things. But what, what are the, we can say all the good things about Mac Jones and everybody's saying all the good things today, right? Accurate, smart, uh, good processor, quick release all the types of things that you can turn on any podcast, any airwaves out there today. And everybody's gushing about Mac Jones today. Right. And, and how shrewd of a move this is by Bill Belichick. And I'm not saying it's not, but I wanted to show you this play because this to me is the next frontier for Mac Jones, right? This is the next part of his game that needs to develop for him to go from just a good looking rookie quarterback to a legitimate NFL starting QB. So This is from the Giants game last week, and what they're giving him here pre-snap is these two high safeties, right? And if if I can get this stupid thing out of the way, if you look at the middle of the field right here, this is all wide open. There's nobody in here. And Mac has at the bottom of the screen there, that's J.J. Taylor isolated in man coverage against a linebacker. And he's in empties, they spread the field, and they're trying to find a matchup to go to on third down. And Mac's initial pre-snap read of this play, you got two high safeties, middle of the field open. This whole area right here, as I keep saying, is wide the heck open. And what J.J. Taylor is going to do is he's going to run a slant route right into the middle of the field. He's right here at the bottom of the screen. He's going to run this slant route. And Christian Wilkerson in the slot, and I believe that's Devin Asiasi at tight end. They're going to run two vertical routes to clear out the underneath coverage and allow J.J. Taylor to run this slant. On the back side of this formation up here at the top of the screen, they have Gunnar O'Shea. We Shef- need to get you like an actual telestrator where you can do the yellow circles, by the way. Sorry, continue. I Gunner, well, I actually have one here. I can, I can. And you're not using, come on, Evan. This was was a little bit late in the game. I wasn't planning on doing this. All right. So, oh, yeah, that's much better. At the top of the screen here, this is Gunnar Olszewski. That's Isaiah Zuber. Zuber is going to run a fade up the sideline, and Gunnar Olszewski is going to run this little out route right there. All right? And remember, this is Taylor here at the bottom of the screen. This is the slant that Mac thinks he's going to go to pre-snap. And, again, all this area in the middle of the field here is wide open. So he thinks that he's going to have this easy, right? Once the play rolls here a little bit, what you're going to see is that this backside safety here, he is going to insert himself into a robber position, and this safety is going to rally back into the middle of the field. So what do the Giants do? They change the coverage, right? They show him pre-snap, too high, middle of the field open. Now we're going to change the coverage to single high, cover one robber. And when that happens... And it, re- real quick... The, the the play you're describing here, before you talk about how it played out here, yes. this is more or less the play he threw that pick on in practice on Thursday. Correct. Correct? More or less. Yeah. So what ends up happening... Same design, same idea. Right. So when we roll this play, okay, what's going to happen is you're going to see this backside safety insert here into the box, right? Here he comes. And you see here's the slant route, and here's Mac Jones in the pocket looking over here. The left side of the screen, this slant here to to J.J. Taylor is his too-high beater, right? If they're going to be in a too-high structure, he's going to throw this slant route. If they're in a cover-one structure or single-high structure, he should be working backside to Gunnar Olszewski at the sticks here. Mac Jones, because he gets that pre-snap read of too-high, he gets stuck on the slant. 
Okay. So what's going to end up happening is that safety in the middle of the field is going to take away the slant, see how he comes over. And now there's two guys here on this slant, the linebacker outside and inside crashing down here on JJ Taylor. And here's Mac Jones in the pocket holding the football. Okay. So he thinks it's too high. That's the read he gets pre-snap. Post-snap, the coverage changes on him. Now let's look at the top of the screen as we roll this play a little bit more. Here's Gunner again. If we go back, we got to go back because I played it too far, of course. Watch Gunner's route on that right slot. He's open right here at the sticks for the first down, right? He's open. So if Mac changes in the pocket from going from his too high beater on this slant at the bottom of the screen to J.J. Taylor to recognizing the post-snap coverage rotation into cover one robber, he's going to reset in the pocket, get it over to the cover one beater, and hit Gunnar Olszewski for a first down. So the next frontier for Mac Jones is what I've illustrated here, post-snap coverage rotations. This is something that doesn't necessarily exist in college football. They don't do it as much as they do in the NFL. But in the NFL, defenses rotate post-snap. They are going to give him different looks after the snap. His pre-snap read is not always going to be accurate, right? It's not always going to work out the way that he thinks it's going to work out on any given play as this thing is freaking out. So that's the next frontier for Mac is learning how to process and then be able to get off that pre-snap read and work to his post-snap read and understand those types of safety rotations. He held on to the football there. He took a sack on third down. I believe it pushed the Patriots out of field goal range or made it a much longer field goal anyways. That's the next step for him. And and when I look at that and I see Brian Flores week one and I see Dennis Allen and and, uh, Todd Bowles in weeks three and four with the Saints and the Buccaneers, they are going to do exactly what the Giants did to him, right? Which is rotate those safeties after the coverage, after the pre-snap read. And he's going to have to learn how to get off that pre-snap read and work to that secondary option. And that was something that I was – that was why I was mostly hesitant is because we saw this at practice and then we saw it on the tape in the preseason games of Matt getting stuck on that pre-snap read and then not working to the regular, the right read once the ball is in the air. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, I didn't want to, to lose. That was great. We need to do more of that. That was great. <laughs> um, yeah, no. And, and again, this is kind of what I talked about. Just if you allow Mac Jones to kind of take a backseat early in the season, you allow him to experience some of this stuff in the background where he's not making consequential decisions. This is the risk you're, you're taking. Let's see how he picks it up. This is the question now is how he handles some of those more complicated defenses. And like you right. said, that Brian Flores defense, that's a Bill Belichick defense. We know what Bill Belichick generally does to rookie quarterbacks. Mac Jones is a challenge right away week one. And if he gets beat up week one, then it becomes about, all right, how short of a memory does he have? Can he bounce back? He should shred the Jets in week two. There's no reason, regardless yeah. of what happens in week one, for him not to shred the Jets in week two. So it's interesting how it's how it's kind of laid out, but we'll see. Yeah, so that that's to me. And look, I, I'm not sitting here saying that Cam Newton would have read that play out any better than Mac Jones. It's not about that, right? It's not about Cam versus Mac at this point. At this point, it's Mac versus Mac, right? I mean, this is it's Mac Jones's team. So the Patriots, Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick, and one of the great things about having a defensive-minded coach like Bill Belichick, who's super smart, obviously. And Bill Belichick is going to go in there starting, maybe even already. He might already be in Mac Jones's ear, and he's going to say, 
Mac, these are the four or five things that Brian Flores is going to try to do to you next weekend, right? These are the things that they're going to run. These are the looks that they're going to give you. And he's going to try to give Mac Jones the answer to the test before Mac Jones takes the field next Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. So that's the advantage of having a defensive-minded head coach is that the head coach can actually reverse engineer the game plan, right? He can say, okay, if I was Brian Flores – and I was going up against a rookie Mac Jones, how would I scheme it up, right? And then prepare Mac Jones for that exact situation. So that that's just the one thing that I saw at a Mac on tape where if you want to talk about flaws, if you want to talk about concerns with him moving forward, it's, it's holding the football against those post-snap rotations when the coverage does something that he's not expecting it to do based off the pre-snap read. But – Still, the Patriots going with Mac Jones. I totally understand why. I just thought that was interesting to bring that up because right now the the praise is just everywhere, right? Everybody's just saying good things about Mac Jones, and rightfully so. But I wanted to bring up some of the concerns. So want to move over to some of the other moves here. Real quick here, one more little quarterback nugget from yes. Jeff Darlington. Uh, I'm told Dolphins coach Brian Flores just addressed his team regarding recent reports tying Miami to a possible trade for Deshaun Watson. Sources say he told players and staff that Tua Tagovailoa is, quote, our quarterback in a brief but poignant endorsement of the QB. So, so take that, uh, that, that take for that, take with that what you will. It, it never made any sense to me for Miami to trade for Watson no. until the legal stuff figures itself out, right? I mean, I just, I, I, I saw some people in the chat talking about that. And, and it's relevant for the Patriots week one because facing two is a lot easier. Like, I think two is good, but facing two is yeah. a lot easier than facing Deshaun Watson. Absolutely. All right. Let's move over to some of these other roster moves today for the Patriots. A solid 32 minutes on the quarterbacks, I think we'll do. Stefan Gilmore to the reserve PUP list was the other big shoe to drop, I would say, on Tuesday on cutdown day for the Patriots. This means that Gilmore will be out for the first six weeks of the season, guaranteed. He then can come back at any point after that. So the Patriots will be without Stefan Gilmore for the first six weeks. This one, kind of like the Cam situation where it's not solely just about on-field issues, right? The quad injury, for example. This one goes beyond that as well to the contract situation for Stephon Gilmore. But Alex, uh, just your reaction to Stephon Gilmore not being with the Patriots for the first six weeks, and then we can get into some of the contract stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's big. It, it it's big. I the the depth at corner now is is fully in the spotlight, especially since the the starting quarterback situation is solved. Right. Who's who's playing opposite JC? First of all, JC Jackson, awesome yeah. summer. Might have been the best player this camp from start to finish. I think there's a strong case for that. But now it, it's got to continue into the regular season. If he's anything less than that, they're going to be in trouble. And then what are you doing on the other side? Is it Jalen Mills who? wasn't great as an outside corner this summer. And that's probably not his true position. He probably plays better if you play him at safety. Is it Juwan Williams? Who's still relatively, you know, he's got, he's been a bit of a seesaw. Is it Sean Wade who played 30 Barely good playing. snaps against the Giants, right. but that's it. He just got here. Um, Michael, I don't know if Michael Jackson's officially been cut, but I'd be shocked <laughs> if he doesn't get cut. Right. Especially after what happened on Thursday, but you know, are they bringing in somebody else? Are they going to look at a trade? That's wide open now. That spot is wide open, and that's concerning because the Patriots' defense is predicated on good corner play. It, it, it That's just the reality. As good as the pass rush is, the Patriots' defense is built from the back forward, and we all remember the years of, of Earthwind Moreland and Hank Poteet 
And then you had that second go around right before Tlaib. I don't even remember some of the names from that one, but it was kind of, you know, when Razai Dowling was supposed to be playing and didn't. I, I mean, who I can't even remember any of the names from that. Anyway. Now um, is an ugly second. Day. Yeah, yeah, those were dark times. Uh, no coincidence. Dennard, there's a name for they, you. Well, no, he was like the one good corner they had. Yeah, I just fine. that's why I remember him, obviously. Right. right. Um, you know, those were dark times. There's no coincidence that that lines up with the Patriots' longest Super Bowl drought in, in right. NFC Championship drought. So they got to figure that out. And you know, you'd like to think Juwan Williams built a little bit of momentum at the end of practice or at the end of camp between him and Sean Wade as he learns the defense they can handle it. But I think that's a risk. I think that's a risk. And again, I don't. I don't know about putting Jalen Mills out there. I think he's best off as a safety. You might need him as a slot corner because Jonathan Jones is banged up. They cut Miles Bryant and D'Angelo Ross, so you don't have an obvious backup at, at that spot. You know, maybe they will after they are some players, but right now they don't. So Mills on the outside for a number of reasons, some beyond his control field shaky. So yeah, they got to figure something. That's the biggest hole on this roster right now. That's the biggest question mark on this roster. And Maybe besides kicker. I don't know. We'll get into that. But the kicker situation is much simpler. Um, yeah, outside corner is a question. Desmond Trufant got cut today. I mean, yeah, I, I'd bring through whatever veterans you can. At least bring him in for workouts. Give him a shot. You know, get him on the get him on the practice squad. Elevate him for a week or two. See what happens with those guys. You know, if one of them kind of comes in and plays well and sticks, there you go. So they got to figure something out here because it's, it's, it's an issue. So assuming that Stephon Gilmore only misses the first six weeks of the season, that brings you through Miami, the Jets, the Saints, the Bucks, the Texans, and then the Dallas Cowboys. There's some good passing teams in there. So Dallas and Tampa Bay are obviously the two passing teams that stand out the most. Miami potentially could be good. Miami has the the receivers of an elite passing team. Right. You don't know. We'll see how good two is. Right. Right. Then the receivers are legit. So, rookie Zach Wilson in his second career starting to it's going to be Fe- ugly. Feels like that one, the pass rush can do enough to to confuse Wilson and, and get after him. Jameis with the New Orleans Saints in week three. Sands Michael Thomas, by the way, right? He's also going also, on yep. a reserve PUP. So I think those three games, the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Saints remain very – and Houston also in week five remain very – You mean the Cowboys. Houston's not a threat. No, no, I'm saying I'm saying Miami, the Jets, and Saints, and Texans are very winnable games, even without. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. The two ones that you get concerned about are Tampa and Dallas, right? Uh, and for obvious reasons. So, as much as I think that there is still a big time hole there, I don't know if they're going to make another move here. I think that Jalen Mills and Jawan Williams might be the two guys that they roll with for the first six weeks of the season, and turning it. That's a concern. I, there's no other way to put it, right? That's going to be a question mark. That's going to be a murky spot. When they go out against Miami in week one, Will Fuller is not going to play in that game, right? He's, he's, that's right. Yeah, he's suspended. suspended. Yep. So there they have obviously Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddle. You would think Parker and JC Jackson match up, right? That would be, that would be one on one. You'd think that if Jonathan Jones is healthy, that he would get Jalen Waddle, right? Just speed on speed there, the Tyree kill treatment for Jalen Waddle. So then it's the other guys. Uh, Pre- I don't know if Preston Williams officially made the team. Preston Williams, Albert Wilson in the slot, uh, Mac Hollins, Jakeem Grant is kind of a gadget player for them. The problem that I see is 
I don't know if they have a great matchup for a guy like Jawan Williams because you're not going to put him on Devontae Parker. That's going to be J.C. Jackson, right? Well, so he, I mean, would it be Gasicki? He covered Gasicki last year. So maybe they do move him to the tight end and they put him on Gasicki and the third receiver goes to Jalen Mills or or goes to, I, don't, I guess, Jalen Mills. I, I don't even know who else they would put on the third receiver at that point. So that when you start to get into these matchups with Miami, it gets a little bit murky. But with two at quarterback, you're still a little bit – uncertain about how good he's going to be this year for well, the Dolphins. He's a guy, one of his biggest issues has been holding the ball. So with this, yeah. Matt, you hope them. And, and by the way, this is the case for every game. It's just sort of exasperated against the Dolphins. Right. The hope is that the rush just gets to the quarterback in time and some of the shortcomings, both at quarter yeah. and safety, by the way, top level talent at safety is fine. Duggar, Phillips, McCourty. They don't have, a, I mean, that's it. There's no depth there yeah. besides those three guys, unless you count Traylon Mills as a safety. So, right. You know, you just hope that, especially if they get pressed into a depth situation in the secondary, that the pass rush can kind of overcome that and get to the quarterback before it becomes an issue often. They're going to get beat at times this year. That's the reality. The secondary is a step back from where it's been the last three years. And I heard you say this with John Zanis earlier today, and you're absolutely right. The unheralded loss of this offseason for the Patriots will be Jason McCourty. There are going to be times early in the season and often during the season where we talk about, man, this team really misses Jason McCourty right now. And they weren't the only ones to, to to wait on him. He didn't sign, I think, until late May. So there was something there, but they're gonna they miss him right now. They really miss having Jason McCourty right now. I agree as well. And, and that, that, sorry to get back to my original point, and the pass rush is gonna have to make up for that those shortcomings. Oh yeah, and, and Miami's offensive line, as some people have pointed out in the chat, is pretty su- is pretty suspect, right? So th- they can get after to uh behind that offensive line with Judon and Uche and Hightower, Van Noy, Winno, Barmore, Wise, the whole group is in the front seven is fantastic. That 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 Patriots front seven is going to be one of the best units in the entire NFL at the line of scrimmage. So they can get after Tua. They can get after all these quarterbacks at that front seven, and that will definitely help out the secondary. The other angle, this Stephon Gilmore thing I wanted to bring up. So we talked so much about the contract dispute and how the Patriots are going to have to incentivize Gilmore contractually to get him out on the field. Is this a sneaky move by Bill Belichick to say to Stephon Gilmore, Sit out the first six weeks of the season. You'll come back week seven. You'll play 10 or 11 games this year. So we're not paying you $7 million to play 17 games. We're only playing you $7 million to play 10, right? And that that is different. Those two things are different that players in the NFL By get- the way, the Patriots have officially released Brian Hoyer's on the wire. There you go. So Anthony Jennings. Oh, oh, actually, I kind of have a big one here. Sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. Anthony Jennings, season-ending IR. Interesting. Okay. So they, they didn't roster him to start the year. Nope. Okay. My so race right now, Patriots have placed Anthony Jennings on the injured reserve list today, which ends his season. Interesting. Okay. So just let me wrap up on Gilmore, and then we'll we'll get into some of these things on the wire, and I can try to pull it up. Ultimately – Players in the NFL get paid on a per roster game bonus, right? Or a per a game check, right? They get a game check where when they make the team and they play in a game, they get paid for that week of service. Stephon Gilmore is now only due to, to have 11 or 10 or 11 weeks of service, right? So you're paying him more money 
for his work this year than if you paid it over stretched out over 17 games. Right. So this could be in a way a backwards way of making Stefan Gilmore whole where they say you don't have to play the whole year. You can come in halfway through. You can play just the second half of the schedule. You get everything on tape. You don't have to play 17 games and potentially get hurt again or the wear and tear. You'll play really good for those games. You'll showcase yourself for free agency next offseason. This is a win-win for everybody, other than the fact that the Patriots have to play without their number one corner for the first six weeks. But ugh. but is that a win-win? I, I – I yeah, I just can't call that a win-win because okay. again, I it's not a win-win. It's a resolution. That's a better way. It, of it's a resolution. It's not the yes. best resolution. It's not the best him. resolution, especially no. with the money you opened up cutting Cam. I would have just paid it. By the way, Malcolm Butler has officially retired. Yeah, a couple of news items coming out here right now. All right, wanna, I'm trying to pull up the wire and see if it, if it's officially released yet on the, the NFL Comms page here. We want to talk kickers. Uh, let's talk kickers because sure. this one. If Cam Newton did not get cut today and they did not just name a new starting quarterback of the New England Patriots, this kicker competition, I think, would have been the most surprising move of the day. Bill Belichick going with an unproven rookie kicker who was shaky, let's put put it lightly, shaky at times in the preseason and in practice. Hell of a leg, right? Absolutely hell of a leg, but struggled a whole lot with accuracy, consistency, all those types of things, right? So what was your reaction to this, Alex? Because I'm I'm really shocked that Bill Belichick's going with the unknown and going with the less consistent kicker. Because Nick Folk yeah. might not have the biggest leg, but he's Mr. Consistent when he's out there. On the other hand, a guy like Quentin Nordin is the total opposite, right? Big leg, but accuracy is going to be a big question mark. Right. Well, I, I, I feel like the unknown here is Nick Folk. And a 36-year-old dealing with a back injury, we don't know. Maybe – nor deep. Maybe Folk just wasn't an option. Maybe Folk's health, right? He missed a significant amount of camp. He came back. He barely kicked. You know, maybe he kicks in that Giants game and just goes to Bill and says, I can't. I can't right. do it. I'm in too much pain. So, you know, at the very least, then you keep Nordeen so you have somebody. And then you see what else is happening around the league. Again, this is the initial roster. There's still two weeks. If the plan is for, for Quinn Nordeen to be the guy one, it tells me they're going to be very aggressive offensively this year. And they're not going to kick a ton of field goals inside the 40. They're going to go for a lot of fourth downs, things like that. Um, because Nor- Nordine is unknown. And this is goes against, in a number of ways, everything they've ever done. I talked about it at the top of the show with the rookies. But they've also always wanted the guy who's automatic from 40 in instead of the guy who's 80% right. from 50 in. And, and Nordine's not even 80%. It's closer to 70. At least he was in college and he was this preseason. Right. So, it's going to be a wild ride. The upside's tremendous, and you have to think that that's if, if they're going through with it, that's it, that they believe they can fix him on the fly and get him under control. But, yeah, this this was, you know, like the Mac Jones decision, like honestly going back to Sony Michelle and, and what trading him meant for Ramondre Stevenson. It, it's just a, a break from what their standard operating procedure is. They're They're thrusting rookies into key spots. Even rookies who maybe aren't 100% NFL ready. Again, Mac yeah. Jones looked really good. You broke down that play. He's not 100% NFL ready. I don't think Sean Wade's 100% NFL ready. We talked about the lack of depth at corner. You know, he's not going to start, but he's going to have to play key snaps. He's going to. That's just the reality of it. Christian Barmore is a good player. He's going to have to play some key snaps as a rookie. And now Quentin Ordean's going to be the starting kicker. 
They never did this before. They never, outside of the offensive line, right, which obviously Michael and who played a ton last year. Uh, you know, Isaiah Wynn was on track to play a ton as a rookie before he got hurt. Outside of the offensive line and occasionally on the defensive line, they don't play rookies this much. They don't do it. They let them sit and watch and learn. And and Nordine, maybe even more so than Mac, because it's, you know, Mac Jones outperformed Cam Newton. It's right. hard to say Nordine outperformed Nick Folk, although it, there is some gray area just because of how little we saw of Nick Folk. Right. But I, I don't feel confident saying Nordine outperformed Nick Folk. But he got the role on upside, and he's going to play despite being raw. They never, ever, ever do that until this year. This is, I said it at the top of the show, I'll say it again. In all, for all intents and purposes, in a number of different ways, today marks a new era in Patriots football. And, and yeah. Nordine is an example of that. Yeah. So uh, and hold just, on to your seats. Hold, do not be holding a drink or, or do not like take a drink when he kicks because you're going to spit it out. So just really quickly with Brian Hoyer, we mentioned at the beginning of the show that he was being released. And then we also mentioned that he could be back in Rappaport, adding on top of that, that he believes that Brian Hoyer will be back at some point. So this is a hundred percent procedural, right? This is, this is a roster maneuver so that they can get another player on the team. I are that player. Then bring Brian Hoyer back. But really quick, my, my take on the kickers, Alex is the kickers guy. So I, I let him take the floor for the kicking uh, segment of the show, but. My take on the kickers is this is a risk by Bill Belichick. I, I thought I am all in on Bill deciding to go with Mac Jones over Cam Newton. I think that that's a great move. I think that's the right move for this team moving forward. This one with the kickers, I am a little bit dicey on because the one thing that I feel like every NFL kicker should be able to do is hit pretty much all the time. I want them to be automatic from within 40 yards, and that includes extra points, Right. If you're kicking right. within 40 yards, you should be able to nail it. And Quinn Nordine didn't do that in the preseason. He missed, what, two extra points and I think a 36-yarder as well. So I think he did miss three kicks inside the 40. That's a concern to me to go into the into the season with a guy that's so inconsistent. And every kick matters, right? Those points add up. And that, to me, is the situation that if you're going to second-guess anything that happened today, don't don't second-guess the quarterback. They made the right decision there. Mac's the best quarterback for this team moving forward. Mac's the first-round pick. Mac played his way into this role. Quinn Nordeen kind of stumbled his way into this role, right? He, yeah. he looked good early on in training camp. He's got the huge leg. All those things are definitely optimistic and, and definitely exciting, and definitely you like those things. Now, Bill Belichick obviously thinks that he can fix them, right? He can fix them and make them more consistent. Him and Cam Accord have their word cut out for them. They also they have somebody on the staff that coaches up kickers, right? I Joe I, Houston. Joe Houston, right. So those three guys, Accord, Houston, and Belichick, are going to have to coach up Quinn Nordine. The other quick rosteral procedural thing that this could be, Quinn Nordine has to pass through waivers, right, if the Patriots release him because he's on his rookie contract. Nick Folk does not. Nick Folk becomes a free agent immediately at 401 today when the Patriots officially put him on the uh, transaction wire as a cut. So they might have felt like they were going to lose Quinn Nordine in the waiver process, and he was going to get claimed on waivers. So it must have been – it could have been that situation where they think they have a better chance – of getting Nick Folk back as a free street free agent, if things go wrong with Quinn Nordine, then it is 
for Quinn Nordine to pass through waivers and end up back on their practice squad. So th- this could have been uh, one of those kinds of moves where they feel like it's safer to keep Qu- Quinn Nordine initially, let Folk become a free agent, and then if they have to revisit it in a couple of weeks, maybe Folk is a little healthier too in, in a couple of weeks, yeah. and-, and maybe that changes the equation here. Yeah, I mean, that that's possible. Uh, you know, we'll see. There are some potential landing spots for Folk if he does want to kick right away, if he doesn't want to wait it out. The Detroit Lions didn't carry a kicker on their initial roster, so they're a team that might be looking. Um, I think I saw there were a handful of other teams that, you know, now that the rosters are set, could potentially change right. their kicker. So it's all, it's always a risk. But well, the reality is there's a better chance right now Quinn Nordine is the Patriots starting kicker week one than Nick Folk. There's a much better chance of that. I think that was actually the report itself, but we'll see yes, how long he lasts. That, that was a report from Field Yates was that – the Patriots are going with Quinn Nordine as their starting kicker over Nick Folk. I do wonder if this is a little bit of a, of an extended tryout for Quinn Nordine, right? And, and you yeah. give him a couple of weeks in the regular season. Nick Folk is just sitting there if you need to go back and get him. But maybe maybe not. Maybe they like Quinn Nordine and, and they're going to roll the dice because I think it is a little bit of a dice roll. On a normal cutdown day, Alex – Quinn Nordine would have been the story, and so would have Miles Bryant. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even get to Miles Bryant. We I, briefly, I guess we did. So Miles Bryant was released by the Patriots today. A player last year that certainly saw a very, very promising rookie year. Right? Did Miles Bryant look like he was going to be a real player and a real find as a UDFA for the Patriots? Played a lot in the slot this summer, backing up Jonathan Jones in that slot nickel type of role. And doesn't make the team. This is shocking to me. And I, I think he will get claimed on waivers. I don't I don't think that this is going to be easy to get him back on the practice squad or get him back in the mix after the fact. So are you surprised that they gave up on Miles Bryant? Because I certainly am. Yeah, unless it's something where he's not healthy enough to pass a physical. Sure. And right. And then, they, they, you know, they can get him back. Right. We always talk about, oh, you keep you cut somebody. You keep this player, you then put the player on IR, you bring the other guy back. There's there's no reason if you'd rather lose the injured player than the healthy player, right? Let's say they don't have a guy they want to risk exposing more than Miles Bryant. Yadni Kajus, for example. I don't know this for sure. I'm just pulling out a name because he was a bubble roster guy. Let's say Yadni Kajus was yeah. the next guy to get cut if they wanted to keep Miles Bryant, IR him, and then bring Kajus back. But they're more worried about losing Kajus than Bryant. Well, then you just release Bryant, get your 53, Bring him back at you know after he clears waivers if he does, and I arm him, and then you, you go right back to he's eligible to come back. So if he gets through waivers, I would fully expect him to be back. He showed a ton last year. He showed a ton this summer. I think he's a really good football player. I think he had a role on this year's team that is now empty that they yeah. now need to fill, and I don't know how they're going to fill it. But yeah, I, I can't see them getting him back. I am a little surprised that they that they moved on from him the way that they did. At the end of the day, I think with Miles Bryant, what ended up happening was there were just too many instances, and they weren't always obvious, but there were just a couple of instances where his size did become a factor, right? And the fact that he was so small, tackling radius, being able to take on blockers, a, d- a bunch of different things that he struggled with because of his size. So maybe they made the decision that he was just too small for their system, especially a system that asks if you're going to play inside with the Patriots in that slot role, you have to be a really sound tackler and you have to be able to take on guys because you're going to be a nickel, right? Three cor- cornerback 
or five DB, the nickel corner is the strong side linebacker, right? I mean, that's, that's the spot that he's replacing when they take a linebacker off the field and they put a fifth defensive back on the field, that becomes the strong side linebacker. So is your strong side linebacker, are you going to be able to get a, he was five, six, 170 pounds. That, that's a tough fast for a player like Miles Bryant. So I think ultimately if it came down to football, it was about his, he can cover. There's no doubt about that. And he can also be versatile in that end and play some safety roles as well as in the slot. So versatility, coverage skills, 100 Miles Bryant. The only football answer for why maybe this didn't work out was size. So that that's the only way I can think of uh, with Miles Bryant. And I do think he's going to be on a roster. And I do think that he's going to make plays for another team. And we will be talking about Miles Bryant as a guy that fell victim to a numbers crunch. Here another crave on LeBlanc. Another crave, yes. Another crave on LeBlanc. Uh, is, is he a free agent? I don't think so. I think he's he under contract. Some of what they need. Yeah, they definitely need another. Uh, yeah, he's on the Dolphins. He made the team. Right. He need, they need another slot corner, I think, because they, they, they might think it's Jalen Mills, but Jalen Mills against quick or fast receivers. I, I don't know. Right. With Jonathan Jones, his role has really developed into an, a crucial one for so many reasons, but maybe the most crucial part about Jonathan Jones's role now is Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill, right? Going up against right. these track guys. And Jalen Mills is not going to run with Jalen Waddle, right? And they're going to play Jalen Waddle twice a year for the next God only knows how long. And you're going to have to be able to hang with him. Sean Wade, you want to get him into a foot race with Jalen Waddle? Good luck, right? Uh, Jalen Mills in a foot race with a guy that runs a 4-2? No, thank you. So you need another one of those guys in the Jonathan Jones mold that can really run. And right now, they don't necessarily have that. So that, that I think is something that they'll have to Gunner. do. He was a, a D2 college corner. Gunner? <laughs> maybe it's, on the team. Maybe no, it's I, something that they worry about next offseason, right? And, and maybe it is, but I, I do think it's interesting both on the defensive side of the ball and then on the offensive, and we'll see if they get any of these guys back on the practice squad, Trey Nixon, Christian Wilkerson, and Isaiah Zuber. And I think the report was they'll, they'll bring Nixon back on the practice squad if they can, which makes sense. Uh, I would assume they'd like to bring Wilkerson back if they can get him. I don't know if that's going to be possible. Somebody will claim him. I don't know what's going to happen with Zuber. I think he's worth a practice squad spot. Do they want to carry two or three receivers on the practice squad? Who knows? Right. Um, but, you know, again, like you mentioned, a corner. And then with cutting those three receivers, outside of Nelson Aguilar, they don't, they don't have a ton of speed at those positions. They don't have a ton of speed at the speed positions. They have Devin McCourty on the back end, who's one of the fastest players on the team. They have John Jones. They have Nelson Aguilar. But – you know, is, yeah. is, is we kind of look into what do they do next? Uh, was it yesterday, last night, or was it off the air this morning we talked about Prashad Perryman? I, they're all running together. I don't know if we talked about that on the air. We talked about it off the air, but a guy like Prashad Perryman, um, again, a guy like Desmond Trufant, the secondary, just just getting some speed in the building I think would be helpful. Or, or, or you know, bringing back D'Angelo Ross. D'Angelo Ross pretty fast. I yeah. think, you know, he, he didn't have a bad camp. He didn't really stand out until that Giants game, but if they – Maybe IR somebody bring him back, and then at least you know not great. He's some insurance for for John Jones. So yeah, jo- uh, John Brown is a receiver. Yeah, the, the, the chat, chat stole my stole my thunder. Bring me some smoke, Brown. Right? I actually think that this is a, that's a legitimate good idea. Either John Brown or Brashad Perryman to me are two legitimate good ideas because 
both of those guys can really run. They bring some yeah. explosiveness on the outside. Their backup exes to Nelson Aguilar. I think that's great, right? I, I think that's a great option, especially this time of year. If you're not going to go out and trade for for Odell or someone right. huge, right? It's, which it's are probably, which is is not happening. Then getting a guy like a John Brown or a Brashad Perryman in here that can bring some size and speed in Perryman's case, or just speed in John Brown's case, I think that's a decent option. I, I think that's a decent option. And John Brown got cut because he requested his release from the last yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have Henry Ruggs there, and, and Henry Ruggs is going to be the guy in that role, right? They're not, they just drafted yeah. him in the first round, so he's going to be their speed guy. John Brown is a backup to Nelson Aguilar. I don't hate it. I think that's a good one. I think Brashad Perryman has a backup to Nelson Aguilar. I like, I like Brashad Perryman over Brown just because he gives them something else. He gives they them need some size. Size, yeah. yes. They right. need some size, especially if Nikhil Harry's going to miss the first two or three weeks, which is sounding more and more like that's the case. Because uh, if he's on IR, he's missing at yes. least three. So Rashad Perryman kind of gives you some size in the red zone too. So I, I'd go I'd go Perryman over Brown. Uh, I think either one, if they bring him in, I think it's a good move. So I, you know, I'd go with either one. But I, I've wanted the Patriots to sign Rashad Perryman for years. Yes. He's been my guy for years. Yes. So I would greatly enjoy that. But it, John Brown's fun too. And it would kind of stick it to Bills fans. So that would be fun. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind Rashad Perryman just – the size speed combo, I think you can also use him a little bit like Cordero Patterson on some of those gadget plays and oh, things yeah. like that too. So he brings that element. He could also return kickoffs. I, I know that they might put JJ Taylor back there on kickoffs this year, but if they don't want to put Taylor back there and Perryman, I think is an option back there as well. But I, I want to end it on this one. Another cut that at one point of the day was the big cut so far of the day. Christian Wilkerson doesn't make the team. Another wide receiver that everybody catches on to the first week or 10 days of training camp that ends up flaming out by the end of camp and doesn't make the roster. Are you surprised at all at, at this one, Alex? Um, No, not with the last couple of weeks. He's a guy, again, we talked about this the other day. I kind of saw him as a guy that if they can, they'll bring back. You know, we right, we just talked about John Brown and Bashad Perryman. Well, maybe Christian right. Wilkerson, uh, they bring back after they are Harry. He's got to get through waivers. I think that's tough. I think a team's going to claim him. I think somebody's going to kind of see that potential that he flashed early in camp. A wide receiver needy team might, you know, especially a team that that's kind of on the margins, might yeah. kind of jump a chance and say, hey, you know, if he has to develop for a year, we're not winning a Super Bowl anyway. He'll develop for a year, and then we, you know, buy low on a guy that that projects with some upside. So, I, you know, I would have liked to see him make the team. I think just with his performance in Philadelphia, and then some players at other positions emerging, right, Carl Davis. Yadni Kajust, I think yeah. the numbers squeezed him out, but I, I would hope if they can bring him back, he is back in some capacity because I do think, I, I think there's something there. I think he can be an NFL contributor. I don't know that he's ever going to be a number one wide receiver, but I think he can be a solid NFL contributor with another year of work. Obviously you want to see that in New England, but if somebody else is going to claim him, somebody else is going to claim him. That's what you can do. You can't, you can't keep every player you want to keep. That's why today's an intense day. Right. You know, good, good players get let go. they the best 53 players in camp didn't make the Patriots. It's the right 53 players. It's not the, well, it's also not the right 53 because they have one quarterback, but it'll all be ironed out in time. You get what I'm saying, right? Right. It's that famous Bill Belichick quote. It's not about collecting talent. It's about building a team. Right. So uh, last thing I just on question, Wilkerson, Wilkerson. Wow. Real quick. Uh, I do expect him to get claimed on waivers. If he doesn't, then obviously the Patriots would love to have him back on the practice squad, but ultimately 
And I asked Bill Belichick this morning about Gunnar Olszewski because I was trying to see if I could get something out of him to see if this was actually ever really close between Gunnar and Christian Wilkerson. I don't think it ended up being that close. I, I, don't, I didn't feel great about Gunnar's chances when Bill gave that answer this morning. I'll be honest. I, I, I was stirring a little bit. It was, he was peeping some good praise on Gunnar, which can sometimes be the kiss of death during cutdown day, right? Well, what, should I read? Because I meant to do this early. You want me to read what he said about Cam Newton an hour and a half before cutting him? Yeah. And then you can also read what he said about Gunnar because it was kind of similar, right? There was both, there are praise in there for both players. Yeah, so this is because I meant to do this earlier in the show. This is this is how cold Bill Belichick is. This is how much of a businessman Bill Belichick is. This is eight thirty. Cam's release got announced at ten, so it you know Bill probably right. went right from the press room back, called the you know filled out the waiver card, sent it into the league. Um, final question: How would you characterize the preseason training camp that Cam Newton has had? Belichick again. Last year was totally different. I feel like everybody's way ahead of where they were last year. Certainly. He started at a much higher point than he did last year, so definitely moving in the right direction. As it turned out, that right direction was Route One off the team. of Foxborough. Yeah. Not not just not just backup quarterback off the team. I, I still right. can't believe. it. I guess I, the right direction would be Route One, Route One South. Oh, it's Route One South if Cam drove home. It's Route One North if he was going to, to Logan to fly home, unless he flew out of Providence. Anyway, it does strike me as kind of a TF Green guy. Um, <laughs> What do, you, what do you say about Gunner? Uh, what have you seen from Gunnar Olszewski's, Olszewski's development as a wide receiver? Belichick. Gunner's made improvements too. Oh, so he was asked prior to that about Jay Taylor. Taylor. Yes. Yep. So Gunner's made improvements too. Same thing, referencing the Taylor answer. He's been able to play multiple spots for us and has improved his route running technique and overall skills. Similar to JJ. Still has a way to go. I don't think he's a finished product yet but certainly a lot better than it was. He works hard. He's made a lot of improvements, continues to. He's smart. He's able to play multiple positions. He's come a long way. And I think there's still some areas in front of him that he can get better. So just that, I'd have not hating on TF Green Airport, by the way. So much easier. So much easier in Logan. Um, I'd have to go back and read the whole J.J. Taylor answer. Now we're reading the whole press conference. But in the context of what he answered about Taylor, there was a little moment there. I was like, oh, Gunner, what's going on here? So. I think that it sounds like to me that Gunnar Olszewski versus Christian Wilkerson didn't end up being all that close. I think Gunnar's punt return ability, coupled with the fact that he's getting open more this year, that he's creating more separation, that his route running technique is improving. I said it yesterday, the hands are the last thing to come, right? Now he's getting open. He's effective as a receiver, both inside and a little bit outside too. The next thing is for him to get on the jugs machine and train those hands, right? That, that's the final frontier for Gunnar Oshevsky. I think there's a chance that that will come. There's a chance it won't. But as long as he can get his hands to be serviceable. And I, meant, I used this comparison yesterday. He doesn't have to be Larry Fitzgerald, right? He doesn't have to drop, you know, catch every single pass and never have a drop. He just needs to catch more than... 70, I would say what, 85%, right? The bad guys are, in terms of drops, are usually around 9, 10% of targets drop. So as long as he can catch 90% of his targets that are thrown his way, catchable targets, that is, then fine, right? He just can't have the drops that he had against the Giants or he's crossing over the middle and Mac Jones hits him in the hands and the ball falls to the ground, right? Right. We we can't have those. So if Gunner can figure that out, 
And I think they're willing to work with him that he'll, he'll iron out the drops, but that's pretty much your roster. I thought Anthony Jennings was going to be on the team and revert back to injured reserve. And they were going to free up the spot that way. But Mike Reese reporting again, that Anthony Jennings is off on IR already and is ending his season. So I have the Patriots at 52 players right now um, after they took Jennings off. So someone you have, so hang on. Do you have Cody Davis on there? No, I took Cody Davis That's off right. because Cody, he's at practice. He wasn't he's at practice, but he, by, by all accounts, has made the team. Okay, so maybe Cody Davis is the 53rd guy. Your 53rd, because I'm texting with other people who made that same mistake. It's a common mistake right now. Okay, so, so maybe Cody Davis is the 53rd guy. Anthony Jennings immediately to IR. And, and then, so who, who are we looking at as, as IR candidates here? It's Nikhil. Is there anybody else? Nikhil Harry. Well, Stefan Gilmore is already on PUP. Uh, Reserve PUP. Brandon Bolden, I guess, technically could maybe go on. He has been in a red non-contact, right? So, because you figure they got to get Hoyer back, and then do they want to open up another spot? Right. I I don't know if – I think it depends on how things go on waivers, right? Because if Wilkerson clears – if a guy like Deshaun Bauer clears some, some of these players that played well this summer that could have a role on this team, uh, post cut down, post IR cut down, maybe, maybe that's where they're able to, to free up a spot for one of those guys that, that isn't initially on the team. I also wonder if you see Durant makes the team. The trade yeah. from this morning, but you know, they traded a second right. round pick for Michael Jackson last year. He didn't make the team. So, so Duran is another guy I did not. So I, now I'm, I'm up to 54. So we have to get yourself we, together. Evan. We have to have somebody off this roster, uh, here and we'll find out very, very soon who, who all these guys are. The Patriots love to wait until eight o'clock at yeah. night on the cut down day to announce the final 53, but we should know soon because the way, uh, the waiver wire should be public, uh, shortly as well. So hopefully that. Will uh, announce. We can kind of the transaction wire. Excuse me. We can we can kind of cross reference and figure it out from there. So Alex and I will be back on the podcast when we can do the next show. Alex, so we we don't have as much to talk about now. All of a sudden, I guess Thursday, right? We'll go back to Tuesdays and Thursdays. So yeah. So the regular season schedule tentatively right now is Tuesday, Thursday. A reaction or review show on Tuesday followed by a preview show on Thursday of the weekend's game. If there is big breaking news, injuries, trades, you guys know the drill. We'll be back on here and do an emergency podcast. But we, again, really appreciate everybody that's followed and listened to all of our pods throughout training camp. It does, Although last week was the official end of training camp in terms of access, today feels like the end of the summer, right? The preseason is officially over now that the roster is cut back down to 53 players. So Alex and I will be back on Thursday to talk about some things heading into week one, talk about some storylines about the Miami Dolphins potentially taking an early look at that team down there in South Beach. And then again, schedule going into the season, regular season schedule, Tuesday, Thursdays are the sh- are the set shows. There we go. Set shows. And then we'll also come in and break in with breaking news if the uh, opportunity presents itself. So thanks again for watching, everybody, and I'll wa- for watching and listening all training camp long. Alex and I will be back on Thursday night. See you then.